can take them. Looks right. I barely have anything left. No use in spending it all now. I can take them. Your brother was pissed too. After what he lost. It made him stupid. We are not the same. We never were. But it's still the same. Welcome back to the Sound On Sight Walking Dead podcast. This week we're talking about Season 5, Episode 10, Them, written by Heather Belson and directed by Julius Ramsey. We'll be right back after this. to the Sound On Sight Walking Dead podcast. This is Kate Kalsik, TV editor of Sound On Sight, and I'm joined, as always, by my fabulous co-host, Mr. Ricky D., general editor, editor-in-chief, all of that good stuff. Ricky, how's it going? I'm great, Kate. Thank you. This week, we're back to our usual three-host format, uh, glad to say, and joining us to discuss this episode is Sound On Sight's Simon Howell. Simon, welcome back. Yes, welcome back. I remember when I helped start this podcast. Um, memories. When, mem- memories of us. Uh, yeah, so... Hi. Um, just so everyone knows to dismiss my opinion now, uh, you should know that I have not seen the last, I want to say about nine episodes, or eight episodes of The Walking Dead. And before that, I was only, I only checked in on like the finale. And basically, I broke up with The Walking Dead uh, back whenever the last regular Walking Dead podcast I record was. I want to say maybe the end of season three. And um, now I just check in whenever I feel like it, uh, which I don't think is a problem with The Walking Dead, really, and we can talk about that. But um, when I complain, you know not to take me uh, at all seriously or put any stock in my opinion <laughs> because uh, I have no credibility. And, um, and we can just start from there. I want to start from there and also just ask Ricky... Why, when we started this podcast, did we not have the foresight to give it a clever name? Um, <laughs> wait a minute. Do you want me to tell the Talking Dead story? Oh, is that what you're trying to do? Uh, here? I want to hear the Talking story because I don't know this story. Okay, you know what's really funny? As Simon was rambling on, I was reading the user comments on Internet Movie Database <laughs> about what people think of The Walking Dead, and it's mind-blowing how bad it is, like, just the writing in general. But anyways, we were actually supposed to call our show The Talking Dead. So what happened was, I was trying to convince Simon, and at the time, Al Cretino was co-hosting the movie podcast with us, and I was like, guys, there's two podcasts we have to do in, in the upcoming, like, year or so, and it's a Game of Thrones podcast and a Walking Dead podcast, and they were a little, like, this hesitant. before either show had started, by the way. Before, Yeah. So uh, we decided 100% that we were going to do The Walking Dead and try it out. This is before we had a TV section over at soundinsight.org. And we figured if it went well, we might possibly do a Game of Thrones podcast later on. But we were going to call the show The Talking Dead. But then the thing is, instead of starting the podcast before the show premiered, we were, you know, we did what most people do. We're like, well, we're going to start the podcast the, the night after it has its season one pilot premiere right but at that point in time there was a talking dead podcast and they had started uh, i don't know like a few episodes before because they actually discussed the comic book as well as the tv show and then a year later there was a talking dead tv show and i'm i swear to god like i'm pretty sure that he got his idea for the talking dead from this podcast either way it's good for that podcast because they they get like a ton of traffic and uh, i was listening to their show uh, once, and they were talking about how people still call their hotline thinking they're calling the AMC Talking Dead TV show hotline, leaving messages on their voicemail, which is right. So just, so just to be clear, the Talking Dead podcast and the TV show are unrelated. Whatever. I mean, there's probably like a million people that would have come up with the same idea, but uh, whatever. We lost out. So, but if you could give it a clever name now, what would you call it? <clears throat> Boring. We're, we're about five minutes into this. 
I'm gonna <laughs> sorry, sorry. Get us I'm back to... on on course. <laughs> And I'm going to start out by undermining everything that you were saying, Simon, and saying the reason we invite you on when you're when you're able to come on and uh, on the podcast is that I think it's very valuable to get an exterior perspective on the show. And obviously, you have a lot of experience as a TV critic and as a film critic that you bring to this, and you're hugely knowledgeable of genre, film, and television. So I think anybody who has an issue with your opinion shouldn't have instant basis uh, to dismiss you because you haven't seen all of the show. It should hopefully make for an interesting discussion and uh, bring a fresh perspective uh, to, to the show, especially with the show being in, um, one could say, it's starting to, to wear on on the audience. At least that's some of the reaction I've been seeing online, and who knows, maybe it's just my bubble. But with the, as the characters are getting ground down and worn down by the repetitious nature of you know, their despair and their struggle. I, th- I feel like the audience is also um, feeling that as well. And part of that's the direction. Part of that's just the approach of these last two episodes. Um, but I look forward right. to seeing, Simon, what you think about that. Before we dive in with this episode specifically, uh, I, I we should say up at the top, like we always do, that there will be no spoilers in this episode. We're going to just talk about season f- uh, season five, episode 10. We'll talk about Anything we want that's come before now on the TV show, we will have no spoilers for future episodes of the TV show. Um, I have not read the comics. Ricky has read the comics. Simon, have you read the comics? No. No, but so we are going to keep things. There's going to be no spoilers for things to come in the comics. If they've happened on both, we may discuss, you know, get some perspective from Ricky here about the comics. But for the most part, no spoilers, nothing discussed except for this episode. Caveats out of the way. Ricky, what did you think of them? I actually really like this episode a lot. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's an episode that features our survivors walking 60 miles down a country road, and it seems like they've been walking for, like, the whole entire season. So it's not really doing anything new for the show. It's not bringing anything necessarily new to the table. But I think this is one of those episodes that's really concerned with charting their emotional journey as opposed to their physical journey. It's not ne- – it's not – it's not uh, interested in introducing, like, a new villain. Well, I guess sort of, maybe. Um, it's not interested in, like, a big action set piece. It's really just focusing on the characters and their mindset and and giving those characters a chance to stop and breathe and think, even though, you know, they do walk for the majority of the episode. Um, I, I have absolutely no problem with this this episode i have no issue with it i don't think it's like the most exciting episode we've seen yet i don't think it's the worst episode we've seen i think it's well written well directed we might have an issue with the whole we are the walking dead sequence which i'm sure we're going to get into but uh i gotta say for someone that's read the comic book that scene in which rick grimes actually does deliver the big iconic popular line we are to walking dead i think it's well executed and i think it's better done than in the comic book because in the comic book it's kind of silly and in the tv show i'm not saying it necessarily works 100 percent, but i think there's at least a reason for rick's speech and uh yeah so i like the episode well i know uh simon we're gonna throw to you you here in a moment uh, and i'm sure you'll have thoughts on that if only based on your Twitter feed over the past 48 hours, which has been entertaining for me. Um, but before we get to there, I would have sworn that this was the second time we got a uh, We Are the Walking Dead from Rick. Apparently not. Apparently I just remembered a thing that didn't happen on the show. But I would have sworn back in like the end of season two or season three, like when there was the reveal about the that, that they all were infected, that we got some similarly dramatic, we are the walking dead. Um, and you know why? Why? Um, there was one specific episode in which uh, comic book readers were expecting we are the walking dead, like that whole line delivery, and it didn't happen. So it's possible you were reading some reviews and maybe they put in like the, uh, I think I did this actually in my review where I put in the the uh, which call it panel? The frame. The panel yeah the panel from the comic book within the review and that's what Rick Grimes would have said in that scene but didn't say and instead they decided to okay. put it last night's episode yeah and and maybe so that must be it just because it's been such a a expected line of dialogue for so for so long and it fits so thematically with just what the show has been also what Rick's perspective has been for so long on the show that it it didn't really work for me the way that I think it did for most people. Uh, certainly bigger fans of the show maybe than than I can be, um, at least right now. But 
yeah, that that moment. I wish it had landed for me more than more than it did. Uh, Simon, what did you think about that moment specifically, and then the episode as a whole? Um, I'm going to do that in reverse order, and I'm going to not answer your question first because that's how I roll. Uh, the first thing I'm going to say is that, uh, as I said before, I'm not a regular viewer of The Walking Dead, but I find the phenomenon of The Walking Dead, the fact that The Walking Dead is as huge as it is, I find that fascinating. And uh, I don't know how much we want to talk about that. But the fact that this show is the one that is, you know, breaking viewership records for cable and even beyond is hilarious to me. Not because I think it's bad, but because it is so bleak and hopeless and pitiless and almost to a cartoonish degree that it's just amazing to me that this is the show. Well, why do you think it's such a huge success? Um... I think it's a combination of the the desire for the resonance of zombie stories, um, to some degree the popularity of uh, of the comic, to some degree the novelty of having a weekly zombie story, which uh, is, is you know new to TV. Uh, partially, it's the network that it's on. Um, it's a confluence of a bunch of factors, I would say, and also the fact that when it started, it was a different sort of show than it is now. Um, it was more, you know, if you think back to those early episodes, it was more of an action series, uh, and it had that hooky element. But now this is not that show, uh, mm-hmm. at least not from what I've seen. Uh, it's a much more meditative, grim, uh, dark, and um, and much sort of uh, subtler show, which I think which should make it better in theory. But uh, to get back to this episode, I will get to the sequence because I'm doing this in reverse order for some reason. Uh, to get to this episode. Um, this should be a really powerful episode. It's coming after the deaths of two characters, um, neither of which I saw, to be honest. Um, and it was funny to me because I got here right after the death of one Wire alumni to discover that they hired another one. Um, in, in like, then there was like an overlap that I completely missed. But anyway, um, you know, this should be. It makes sense to have an episode where you're just checking in with everyone. And it's it's a common trope that we've seen in every serialized drama. You kill off a character, you have an episode where everyone reflects on the character. Uh, here they've got two, so it makes double sense for them to do it. Um, I think, though, for it to work, where you have an episode that's this despairing and where so little basically happens, um, to make that work, they needed to either... Um, they need to step up their writing game in terms of dialogue or they needed to eliminate all of the dialogue. And as I was watching this episode, I kept thinking to myself, if that, ha- if that scene had happened exactly this way, blocked in this way with the same things happening, but nobody had said anything, I would have gotten the same value to possibly more value out of it. I really can't think of any examples of scenes that were made better by the dialogue and in the mental version of, of of this episode in my brain that is the same, except that the only time anybody anybody talks is when that guy shows up at the end, is a way more effective episode. Uh, also, it got rid of the tornado thing because that was stupid. But anyway, we'll get there <laughs> also. Um, but and finally, that sequence, um, I'm going to reenact for you my viewing of uh, this is my dramatic reading of Rick's dramatic reading of We Are the Walking Dead. Uh, Rick starts talking about um, his grandpa for some reason. Okay, fine. We're getting an anecdote. This is something Rick likes to do. Um, Actually, he's never done it before. He's never talked about his past before? No. So there you go. Just in my head, it's something he likes to do. Maybe it's the beard. Anyway, (laughs) um, Rick starts talking about his grandpa. Okay, fine. This is happening. Uh, I learned that if you thought you were dead... You'd be fine. I'm paraphrasing. Um, okay, fine. I get it. I get the point of the story. And you know, it's almost like, no, do not do this, Rick. Do not fucking do this. You're talking to me? It's almost like we know. Sorry, that Rick. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like we are. No, don't do it. The Walking Dead. No. Oh, God, they did it. That's what my experience was like watching that scene. So do I think it landed? No, I do not think that it landed. I think it was a very poor, (laughs) I thought it was a poor, dumb, bad, not at all good idea. 
I totally agree with you, Simon, and I think Kate agrees with you, too. It doesn't really work. But the thing is, it's we talked about this last week and how I think that the writers still feel that they need to put specific lines of dialogue and specific scenes from the comic book that are iconic and memorable into the TV show to still please the fanboys. And I do think that in the comic books, it's it takes place in a completely different place. A completely different situation. The tone is different. Everything about it is different. And I think it still works better in the TV show. So the thing is, like I've said this many times before in the past, um, I, you know, say what you will about the TV show, if you like it or dislike it, whatever, it's way better than a comic book. And I think you brought up a really good point is that this, the show has evolved. It has evolved since the first season. I mean, you specifically said that it started up more like a an action pack sort of like zombie horror survivor tv series in which was just a bunch of characters running away from like the walkers and there's a lot of like blood and gore and it's completely changed in tone pacing style the direction everything about it has changed and i think that is also one of the reasons why a lot of people are still checking in because it has evolved the best example to me of that evolution is if you think about season one oh my god there are walkers dramatic music every time how do we kill them oh my god there's so many fast forward four seasons uh, okay, guys, just can we get them in a line and then <laughs> just sort of give them a little nudge off the bridge? <laughs> That's where we are right now. Where are we going to be in four seasons? Are they just going to like get start like a, a zombie therapy session and just talk, literally talk them to death? Is that going to be the new Talking Dead? Anyway, I'm done with my bad jokes. No, no, it's going to be the last kicker. Just like, you know, walking up nonchalantly, stabbing them through the head as they they saunter past that's what i'm expecting in in four seasons i I expect that the walkers just started talking eventually oh really (laughs) 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 well let's get back to the specifics of this episode and um one of the things you said simon and this is what i was referencing earlier with your tweet because you tweeted this out as well uh that i absolutely agree with is that many of these scenes would have been more effective to me without dialogue. And basically because I do really uh, like many of these actors, it, it's, uh, and, and I really, you know, when they trust them, when they let them just perform and, and convey all of the stuff that they're, you know, dealing with, they're, they're dealing with such, they're in, they're living in such an extreme condition and world that basically there's not all that much subtlety left because there's not that much subtlety left to their daily existence it's a very straightforward especially like this episode they need they don't have water and they don't have food there's not time to really get angsty about the minutiae of their day-to-day existence and so it's i don't feel like there's like all these hidden layers of depth to the dialogue because it's just remember back in season one when there was a love triangle that's not the show (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anymore yeah and so i do think that the, the characters would be talking less unless they met somebody new uh which i think makes sense and they, but they don't really seem to be embracing that like I, when remember the episode earlier the season where we had carol and daryl there was very little dialogue at least what as i recall i recall there being a lot less dialogue and them just kind of letting the actors do their thing and it was much more effective uh, i really wish that most of the the dixon uh the daryl scenes didn't have anywhere near as much dialogue the 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 parts of the episode that i do really i did really like what they gave the actors to do was the stuff that we got with maggie i like that they finally addressed her uh numbness to beth and her never mentioning beth after they were separated i like that they and i think lauren cohen uh cohen delivered that material very well it was overdue and i think this was an appropriate time to, to finally bring that up uh and now simon obviously you haven't seen these other episodes uh did well uh, no but i was i read I, I i read up on it and i was very familiar with the complaint that she never talked about beth and i wasn't sure if i bought that this was an organic explanation or they just felt like they had to explain it okay well yeah, but my question was it or is going to be um for me those uh dialogue scenes stood out as better because partially because I I like them more, but also because I think I was needing that from the writers to give better characterization to Maggie. Did they, were they different at all to you or were, was it pretty much across the board? You had the same reaction to most of the dialogue. Uh, you asking me? Yes. I'm asking you. Yeah. So is it just, was it what I'm bringing to it that they, that those scenes were better, better scripted or is it 
did you notice a difference between those scenes? Uh, I, I think that you're not wrong to say those scenes were better. I'm just struggling with, um, it just seems to me like a missed opportunity. You're in this uh, position in the show, like when you're, when you're Scott M. Gimple and you have to deal with uh, the rhythms of a show like this, that's the hardest part. That's the thing you really need to get right. You've just killed off two major characters in a row. I know there was a break in between, but still. Um, and you're about to launch into this whole other story involving uh, this new white fellow that we've met. Um, which, okay, fine. That's going to be a whole other thing. So you've got this ellipsis in the middle, which is this episode. These aren't going to happen that often because this is... Uh, this is not a show in which you usually have episodes in which virtually nothing actually happens. Um, that's not going to come along every time. And that's when you should, that's when I think you should be experimenting, uh, like really experimenting. I understand that last week was somewhat experimental, but I didn't see it. So I can't talk about that. Uh, I, I think if you were ever going to do an episode with minimal to no dialogue, it really should have been this one. And I, I think that that would have been such a brave choice for them. And, you know, Ricky, you were talking about that they have to throw these nods to the comic book fans. There is oh, nothing. Just, I, I never said they have to. I said they, they think want. they have to or they want to. They may to. think they have to. They don't have to do shit. They could do – they could have a disco party in the middle of an episode. You, so, you know, like uh, someone gets dehydrated and, and hallucinates Studio 54 next week. They could do that. And they would still be the most watched show on cable and one of the most watched shows on TV. Nothing can break the viewership of this show. And certainly eliminating a few nods here and there is not going to do that. Uh, if, if nothing else, I, I admire what Gimple has done in terms of experimenting with tone and with being a little bit more creatively free. I just wish he'd do it even more. I wish they would push the envelope, not just for grimness, but also for expression. I have so much to say. Um, First of all, I mean, you got to realize or remember that it is Robert Kirkman's baby. I mean, the comic book is still ongoing. It's not like it ended like 20 years ago and he, he's like launched 20 other projects since. I mean, The Walking Dead is takes up like 90% of his life. Like it's his work, it's his art, it's his passion, it's his job. I think he himself is going to want to include some of those iconic moments from the comic book, even if they don't necessarily land for most viewers. Um, I don't really have an issue with an episode just because it features like one specific scene and one line of dialogue that just doesn't really work. You know, I'm I'm willing to overlook that one minute of screen time for the rest of the episode, which I think is really well directed, really well edited, really well. And I say this each each and every single week. It, they do such a good job creating the show. Um and I do think they are getting experimental, and I don't think they were just experimental in last week's episode. In fact, I think they were more experimental in this week's episode, because last week's episode, they were experimental in the sense of the aesthetics. Like, And they do it to some degree in this episode, like in terms of like the way the show looks, the camera angles, the, um, the visual flourishes, the editing, the tone, the music, the score – Everything about it, like they are experimenting. It does feel different. Like in this specific episode, my favorite, my second favorite scene is, and I, I guess, again, it's hammering down the message that Rick basically says out loud in that like campfire storytelling sequence. But, you know, when they all have to run to the, to, 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 to the doors in the barn to hold it and stop it from falling down on them because the walkers are trying to get in and you see each of them slowly get to the, to, to the doors and like basically hold back the walkers from storming into the barn. Um, I like, I like the way, for example, just cut. I mean, it looked like a dream sequence because it, 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 it just abruptly cuts. And I think it's, who is it? Maggie that wakes up and yes, viewers are like, okay, was it a dream sequence? Did it really happen? I like the way they are experimenting last week. They experimented more on again, the aesthetics this week. I think they're experimenting more on, the way they want these characters to express themselves and just meditate and just kind of like reflect on what's happened. And if there is any hope, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if anything, I think this episode is like a palate cleanser because we did come off, as you said, um, two episodes in which two main characters, two of our favorite characters die. Um, the one 
sequence in this, the one scene in this episode which is by far my favorite and simon you should be able to guess this knowing me for like so long podcasting with me for like seven and a half years i think the best scene in this episode is the scene that revolves around the dogs okay and yes we get the dogs i've been asking for more and more dogs ever since we started the podcast like five years ago um so we get the sequence in which we get like four wild dogs i don't think there's any dialogue in that scene the dogs show up sasha quickly shoots them bam next thing you know the dogs are like being cooked and they're eating the dogs. And I just like that whole sequence. Like, you know, there wasn't really, it wasn't really necessary to add any dialogue or to talk about the dogs. You just had that really nice camera shot. It's like um, a differential focus. And when the focus changes, you see the dog collar. And what's his face? Um, Noah looks at the dog collar and you see kind of the name tag on the dog collar. And you realize that this dog once belonged to like a family. That whole sequence worked for me. Maybe it's because I love dogs so much, but I just like, it just, it speaks volumes for where they are, where the world is at the moment. And it just feels like so hopeless. Like where, I mean, and, and the thing about this episode is they try to inject little moments of hope. Like, you know, it does eventually start to rain, but then when it starts to rain, what happens? It turns into like this huge storm in which they have to go seek shelter. So they find a cabin in the woods, but then the cabin in the woods gets overrun by a bunch of walkers during the night. They find bo a bottled water, but then they don't know if they can actually drink the bottled water because they don't know who left it for them because they can't trust anybody. So it just feels like everything's hopeless right now. And I think you're right, Kate. I think the reason why the episode works mostly is because of the way they focus on Daryl, Maggie, and also Sasha. And for me, the weak point in that this week is Sasha, uh, because I don't feel like we get anything new from her here, even though there's so much more focus on her. Uh, I just having her lose first Bob and and now Tyrese, I feel like they took her from a more interesting character to nope. She's just pretty much had the exact same experience as everybody now. Uh, and she's, uh, once again, the hollowed out shell who's lost everything and is just barely holding on and is now fueled entirely by rage. And so, well, I understand we talked about last week why they, you know, reasons why we think they, they chose to kill off Terry's. Um, speaking of Bob, by the way, the, the last direct lift line from the comics, at least that I recall, was the tainted meat thing, which I think worked really well. So I think it can work very well. Um, even if this this week's We Are the Walking Dead didn't necessarily work that well for me. Um, but anyways, to get back to Sasha, uh, I, I I think the beats they're giving her to play in this world are now too nondescript, and so they they're not they aren't as effective for me. Um, with Maggie, we have much more of a connection to like her journey over seasons. With Sasha, we don't have that in the same way. And so now she just feels like the conversation we saw last week with um, uh, Glenn and I want to say it was Rick talking about how angry they are, how, how much rage they feel. Sasha just feels like very much she's going through that exact same experience. And I, I, I would like there to be more contrast, even if maybe it's not as realistic you know, given their situation. I don't know. What, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I agree. It's repetitive. I mean, it's it's the word we use each and every single week. We do a Walking Dead podcast. They just repeat themselves. They repeat dialogue. They repeat sequences, action set, set pieces, uh, ways of w which people get killed. Um, I totally agree. I mean, what, 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 what did they do with Sasha new in this episode? I mean, I guess they have a sequence in which she tries to take out the walkers and ignores Michonne's advice and nearly stabs Michonne in the eye, but also injures, I think it was Abraham, like she cuts him. Um, but I mean, like, is that really moving the narrative forward or developing her character further? No, not really. But that's why I, this episode wasn't as effective for me. So if, so why, if, if you're seeing the same things and what, why is it more effective for you? It has to do with, I guess, like percentage. It's sort of like a batting average, right? So if she has, say, like 30 minutes of screen time and 20 minutes works and 50 minutes doesn't really work, as long as that 50 minutes isn't necessarily terrible, I'm willing to go along with it. So there are some nice scenes, you know, like, for example, when it does start to rain, we get the reaction shot of Maggie, Daryl. Well, we get the reaction shot of just about everybody, but specifically we, we get a shot of Maggie, Daryl, and Sasha, and they are the only three people who we do not see rejoicing or smiling or anything. And it's sequences like that which really do work because they're the three 
characters right now, they're beat up, they're emotionally destroyed because they, they lost like, you know, a loved one. And so because she's, because she's sort of like walking alongside Maggie and Daryl, it's still for me, it might not again, totally work, but it wasn't like eye rolling. It wasn't like offensive. It wasn't anything I can, that I can, that was so bad. I can go so far as to call this a disappointing or bad episode. You know what I mean? And so I think that's the thing. Like for me, it's a batting average. And I think that there's still a lot of good within this episode for me to walk away and say, Hey, I enjoyed that episode. Despite the fact that like 45 minutes, Oh, we're not sorry. Uh, 35 of like the 45 minutes is basically a bunch of people walking around. Wait, wait, wait a second. I just, I have to ask a question. Um, so just to be clear, I'm the only person who thought the tornado was dumb. And when I say the tornado, I specifically mean, um, multiple characters talking about how we need to band together if we're going to get through this together because together we'll be alive together or whatever that line was. Yeah. Um, I really hated that line. Um, I can see how they thought it would work. It didn't work. Anyway, um, so we get those lines. They're corny in and of themselves, whatever. Uh, but then they run into a barn, and I think in this metaphor, they're all the baby Jesus? Anyway, um, <laughs> and <laughs> and they and then there's this tornado that rends the entire countryside but doesn't fuck up the barn, and they all band together because they're together and they have to work together. And also, um, they'll be alive if they stay together, but not if they don't stay together. Um, and then they all hold the door and they all live, even though the whole sequence was unbearably corny to me. Was that really just me? No, you're totally right. But we talked about this last week where for me it comes down to a personal preference where when I do watch say a horror movie or a show which is deeply rooted in the genre of horror for whatever reason i am willing to overlook it and forgive it because there's still a lot about the episode that i find exciting to watch and so that's what i said like 20 minutes ago is that this show really hammers down the message you know over and over be it with visual motifs and or really bad dialogue and or just having Rick deliver that speech and or even the opening shot in which you see them walking slowly and you see the walkers behind them walking even slower. I mean, they just continuously hammer in this message over and over and the storm. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know. It just really didn't bug me, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I kind of felt like it was refreshing, to be honest. I felt like I needed that rainstorm as much as the characters needed it. Yeah, it didn't bother me, like, at all. Sorry, Simon. Uh, and was that supposed to be a tornado? Because I thought it was just, you know, a storm, and it knocked over some trees, which is yeah, a I normal was... storm thing. Yeah. It was a yeah. lot of trees. It looked, I mean, uh, our review used the word tornado, so I'm I'm going with tornado because it, it was a tornado-like aftermath. Uh, I mean, all uh... that was missing was, all that was missing was trailers. Um, or, you know, a green sky or any sort of, the sky looking weird or any funnel or it being darker. I would disagree. They couldn't with afford a tornado. Uh, this is anyway. the walking dead. They can, they yeah, can afford they still, a funnel. They still AMC's cheap and likes to save money. Um, I don't know, man. I've seen Twister and I didn't see any cow zoom by the screen. Okay. <laughs> or zombies. Um, well, um, it's very didactic. I will absolutely agree with that. The, we've already discussed any issues, some of the issues we have with the scripting or that I have with the, the dialogue. Uh, so I do not disagree at all with that. However, I'm, I think I'm more with Ricky on this, uh, changing it up just a little bit with the, you know, having taking it was, it was wonderful when it starts to rain and we get to see just a moment of joy. I liked it was, was Tara and who was the other character who was a uh, Rosita maybe who was laying down on the ground so they can, you know, stretch out and get as much of them rained on as possible. That like, was good. That, that was really worked. lovely. It's just when they get to the barn that things don't work. It's, yeah, I was disappointed when they turned it so quickly to, nope, nope, can't have one good thing. Um, but it fits thematically, and so I was okay with that. I liked, like Ricky said, the editing um, and the construction of that um, walkers against the the, you know, the door thing, even if, you know, we're going artistic rather than realistic because Daryl would have said, hey, y'all, how about you help me with this door? Yeah, and... but but again, you got to remember, OK, it is uh, it is like 
clearly a physical manifestation of what Daryl says or what he says to Rick, where he says, we ain't them. We are not the walking dead. But at the same time, because of the way it's executed in the sense where it kind of feels like it's a dream, but it also feels like it's a real event. You can honestly, if you really want to, as a viewer, take it either way. And I think that's why it does work at the end. And so I don't know. I just like the fact that we actually do get to see all them pushing back the dead against these barn doors. And I do like the fact that Carol has to put baby Judith down on the floor. And by the way, um, Carl, Judith, Carl, what did I say? Carol, Carol. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Carl and Carol are the same person. Have you ever seen them in the same room tw- together? I didn't think so. Baby no. Judith was chilling this episode. Everyone is like freaking out the press crying. She's just kind of like hanging back, enjoying the sun. I think <laughs> she's a secret zombie. <laughs> Stealth zombie. Um, but I, yeah, to answer, to go back a, a, a ways there, Simon, to answer your question. No, it didn't bother me. Because, uh, again, I'll take I'll take the non-narrative or the non-dialogue storytelling, the visual storytelling, over the non-visual story, storytelling as much as possible on the show. I think they're much better at that. I have two basically final comments to make because I really don't have that much to say about this episode, contrary to my rambling nature. First, <laughs> I know that I'm watching the show wrong. Because when we got to the sequence where they find water on the road and there is a a pristine sign written in, I think, Sharpie uh, saying from a friend. Was that what it says? From a friend? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm a friend. Um, My the first place my brain went wasn't I think the water's probably fine. The first place my brain was went was someone kept their Sharpies. Someone. (laughs) They weren't just stocking up on water. Someone is stocking up on Sharpies. <laughs> that is a sign that someone really has their shit together. They can trust these people because these people still have Sharpies. I would have drank that water immediately based purely on the Sharpie having. See, I feel like a Sharpie is a very logical thing to have in this environment, actually. I don't feel like that's a stretch. And, of course, I have an opinion on this because I'm ridiculous. Uh, and so, yes, I've thought of it about it. Um, so having a, a pen like that, that they last for quite a while, as long as you cap them, they can write on just about everything, and they're super durable, just makes sense. Pencil, I mean, just like nobody's worried about saving paper in the zombie apocalypse. It makes sense to keep a Sharpie. To me, like to have, and, and there's so many Sharpies in convenience stores all around the zombie apocalypse. I don't think there's really a run on Sharpies. So I feel like they'd be easy to hold on to. But I still think Sharpies, I love that we're on the subject. Okay. I, I think Sharpies are like the, are like the, the 79th thing you stock up on. Very practical. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Maggie was using blood to send messages last season. She was, she was writing messages in zombie blood. They're writing messages in Sharpie. They have their shit right. more together. I'm just saying, if you've run into someone with Sharpies, that's where you want to be. That's the measure of a civilization now. It's not it's not everything it's not the things you think. It's Sharpies and then after that you get down to like iPads and stuff and that would be really impressive. But if you see someone with a Sharpie, they've got their shit together, so I would trust the water. That's my first comment. My second and possibly last one, um in this episode we get we are the walking dead. Uh applause applause. I just hope uh we were talking about how the, the zombies eventually talking. I hope that in season 9 the, the the walkers start talking, and the first thing any of them say, any any you know, the th- the first time you hear a walker talk, I hope what they say is, actually, we're the Walking Dead. Be careful what you wish for. Would it have made you more happy if Rick Grimes had actually taken a sharpie and written out "We Are the Walking Dead" instead of delivering that big long speech? Well, if they'd you had don't... a sharpie, they wouldn't <laughs> be having these problems. <laughs> Okay, moving away from Sharpie talk, there's two great scenes I want to talk about, and I want Kate's opinion on this. And the first one is Daryl. So Daryl, basically, he keeps on leaving the group. He goes into the woods. At one point, he insists that Carol doesn't follow, but she ends up following him. And you can tell he wants to get away from the group because he's grieving, and maybe he wants to break down and cry. And finally, we get the sequence in which Daryl sits down, takes a cigarette, burns his hand, and starts crying. Haven't we been waiting for that for, like, three years now? I mean, I haven't, but I think that means that I'm watching the show kind of wrong. Uh, at least, com- and you're dead inside. Well, compared to certain areas of the fan base, I, I you know I do think that it worked very well with what we know about the characters' history of abuse, 
um, as a kid. I don't think it's any stretch. I, I don't remember. Did do we know if his dad used to burn him like that? Um, well, we're not. I, I'm not really talk, entirely sure, but we do know that he was clearly abused as a child. Yeah. But I just I connected I to that immediately with that history of it. So I wasn't surprised by that decision at all. It made sense to the character both before the zombie apocalypse and and now like it made sense with what we know his experience to be and i thought the sequence worked but it wasn't like finally daryl breaks down and lets some emotion out i I didn't have that moment well but but the thing is is that i guess what why i like it so much is because from what we know about his character in his past is he's more accustomed to dealing with physical hurt right like being physically abused and he's not really the kind of person to emotionally emote or 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 let people know how he feels or cry or share his feelings and so you get a bit of both you get him physically hurting himself so you get the self-destructive tendencies that he is accustomed to but then you actually eventually he can't hold it in anymore he actually does cry and i think i think that speaks volumes for the whole entire episode and the the characters and group and where they're at because i don't think they can get any lower in terms of like self-esteem motivation energy uh you know they have no food no water i mean they're i mean they're almost dead in this episode the second scene i want to bring up is the girl in the trunk scene and Mm -hmm. i don't know why i kind of feel like you know again deja vu i kind of feel like we've seen this before maybe not but we do get the sequence in which Maggie opens a trunk of a parked car and there's a zombie trapped inside. And the zombie, I guess before she turned into a zombie, was uh, tied up and gagged and I, I'm assuming kidnapped. I don't know. That whole sequence really worked wonders. Yeah, I thought that was a nice bit of distinguishing characters from the others. So the, Maggie's reaction of immediate action of just closing it and then wanting to go back and you know, put the, let this person rest, basically, and just not leave them in that condition was a good a, a nice way of distinguishing her from you know like Sasha wouldn't have I don't think and right now uh, so so I thought that was a nice touch I immediately went to oh s- granny started groaning and so someone they gagged her while they tried to drive out of town but apparently that was not what they were going they were going for kidnap victim is what I've heard or at least that's what they were saying on talking dead apparently i don't know um that's super disturbing and creepy um uh yeah. but but fits very much with the show i think and uh yeah that sequence and again that's another dialogue free sequence in the the episode and one that works i mean these are both dialogue free sequences and it's not surprising to me that they're the ones that are most effective for you simon do you have any thoughts on either of those two uh nope it was a good sequence the the makeup was really sad and creepy um and like you said, it's a it's a dialogue free sequence. I really, I still think, if I had um, the world's most inconsequential, pointless time machine, and uh, could bring you back to an alternate universe where you watch this episode, having not seen this version, uh, and got to see one with no dialogue, uh, you would you would not be defending the dialogue as much. I wouldn't say I wouldn't go so far as saying no dial dialogue, but less dialogue. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, do we want to talk at all about the end of the episode? What can we really say? I mean, we got introduced to a new character. His name is Aaron, for anyone that doesn't know. Uh, I like the closing shot in which the um, the music box actually starts to work. I like the fact that we actually get to see Maggie and uh, Sasha take the opportunity to kind of, like, you know, enjoy the sunrise, I guess, and just try to get this music box to work. And it's just like, I don't know. I, I actually kind of really like the ending. I love the last shot, you know, like the way it's framed, the fact that the music box starts working, the way they just at the same time, look over at the music box, the way this man all of a sudden mysteriously appears. And he's like, I get it. Stranger danger. Right. It's sort of like, it's not really a cliffhanger, but it's, it does leave us wanting to see the next episode and see what's going to happen in the next episode. That's the thing about the walking dead too, right? Is whenever you, maybe think that okay i'm starting to lose interest in the show because it's not really going anywhere they do something where they end an episode in which you know like and it's going to continue like there'll always be a new character to introduce and a new location and we talked about this last week simon and maybe you can chime in on this really quick because we were trying to think of a show quite like the walking dead apart from the littlest hobo that doesn't actually have a specific setting <laughs> 
<laughs> that doesn't have a specific setting and or place. You know what I mean? Like when you think of Cheers, it's the bar. When you think of, um, I don't know, Breaking Bad, you can think of like Walt's house or like, you know, several places. But in The Walking Dead, they're constantly on the move. Can you think of another show quite like it? A show with no strict setting? Um, yeah, it's consistent cast, but a different setting each week. I know we did a shelf of one of those, but I can't remember which one. Um, the not counting anthology series, obviously. Yeah. No. Ah, that's tricky. Um, right. And now that you said The Littlest Hobo, um, The Littlest Hobo is now taking up all of my mental attention. Um, <laughs> Maybe that was The Littlest Hobo that showed up in this episode that got killed and they started eating. Got killed. This, this actually was the series finale for The Littlest Hobo. And it's he was delicious. Stealth finale. It's a oh man, um, damn! That's that's one way to go. Yeah, I'm I, I you, can't. The writers listen to our podcast. They listen to our podcast. They went in. They shot that scene within a week, and they somehow edited it into the into like the the, the the episode. And bam, we got the crossover episode of Little's Hobo meets The Walking Dead. That's how television works. Yes, <laughs> uh, I can't. I can't think of another example, but I will say Scott M. Gimple and or Scott M. Gimple's writing team. Hi, if you're listening, I would just like to say. Um, everything that I've said is true, and you should try a dialogue-free episode. However, I also think um, you've got all the success. You may as well just go wild with it. Have a few more episodes like this one, dialogue-free, like I suggested, maybe three or four in a row. And then I want you to go watch Beau Travail by Claire Denis. And you, do you see that ending? Do you see how amazing that ending is with the dancing? I want you to do that for your entire season finale with everyone everyone is singing and dancing just for an entire episode everyone will thank you and you will thank me later and the show will never end or it will immediately end either way you will have made the right decision all right uh well to go back to the earlier point because i have not seen both uh uh ricky i actually was not um i'm not super excited about the next episode based on the way it ends. I do think the framing was nice with the sunrise and the music box and all that. But when, as soon as, oh, look, it's another person, I immediately just felt like, ah, oh, crap, wash, wash, rinse, repeat. We're going to have, or lather, rinse, repeat. We're going to have another well-established location that they're going to go to. And does it seem like it's too good to be true? Well, they gave him a, a giant bunch of water, so it's probably too good to be true. What is the seedy underbelly going to be? Like, it just feels too similar to some of this other stuff um, that we've seen in the past. I, I They're going to need to distinguish this immediately from uh, f from Woodbury and from the uh, uh, Terminus uh, for, for me to get invested because I'm just, I'm very leery about pre-existing encampments at this, at this stage of the series. Um, so that's, that's sort of where I was at with that last moment. And I feel the need to clarify, this is why I keep saying dumb silly shit all the time because i really don't care about the the way that they're headed at, at the end of this episode with more people who seem to have it all figured out but are actually um cannibals slash a sex cult slash i don't know whatever it is they're gonna do next um secret world dominators virus spreaders i don't know some sort of 12 monkeys thing uh whatever it is it's they're running out of uh it seems to me options with what that can be like kate was saying and i if they can come up with something radically different from everything they've done before props but i don't really see how yeah but yeah but the thing is it's it has more to do with the fact that the personalities are defined by the setting and when i say the setting i mean more like the zombie apocalypse and, and what i mean by that is that Every time we get the group of survivors, meaning the people that we follow week to week, our heroes, I guess you can call them, talking, they always talk about the people that died, if there's hope, is there hope, should we, why do we keep moving? Um, you know, it's the same conversation happening over and over. And that's why I love the episode uh, that followed around specifically and only actually Daryl and Beth. And the whole episode revolved around them and they just went from one set, one place, one location to the next location, ended up in a funeral home. They like smoked a cigarette. They drank water. They burned down a cabin. They gave the finger. That whole episode just 
like it it showed who these people are. It gave them personality. They talked about their past. They talked about you know she sang a song. Like it was just such a fun episode to watch because we I felt like I got to know these characters more than why do they keep themselves alive? Why haven't they committed suicide? And so yeah, you're right. We do get these new characters introduced, and the first thing we think is it's going to be the next governor, right? But that's I think my only beef with the show this season so far is the fact that I still feel like they haven't found a way to just kind of, I don't know, bring these characters to life. You know, like, I mean, we get Rosita and Tara walking around for like, what episode are we on now? 10, 12? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I don't know what they've done all season long. Like what? I mean, Rosita had sex and Tara cracked one joke. You know, who are these people? <laughs> like, In the same scene? <laughs> yes, actually. Yes. Not in the exact same scene, happening simultaneously, just about. And and really, the jokes were coming from Eugene, who was just being hilarious uh, and creepy. But um, the, uh, you know, it seems like, and again, I am not a professional television writer, uh, so I'm sure they have much better ideas. But what seems like a a good idea, if you want to see what makes these people tick and get an episode that, you know, worked as well as it that one did for you, the one with Beth and Daryl. I would say the reason that episode worked is because of Beth, the influence of Beth in mm-hmm. that episode. But you could stop killing all your optimistic characters. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's uh, the well, thing. Look. You know, because that's look. the last three characters they've killed have been the only optimistic ones. And so that kind of makes the show dire. Totally agree. We talked about this last week. But at the same time, there's 13 episodes in a season, right? If they were to add 16. even... 16, sorry, if they were to even add one more episode and or substitute one of the episodes for an episode quite like the one in which we follow around, and I can't remember the name of the episode for life of me, but the episode where we follow around Beth and and, and Daryl for for the, the, the total running time of that episode, you just give us an episode, and I'm not saying it specifically has to follow around two characters, but even like the episode Clear, you know what I mean, where we just get to hang out with these dudes, like, you know, forget the zombies, forget the governors, forget the cannibals, just like have these people actually be people. And I think that's when we as viewers will really get to care about these characters more because that's when everyone really started to like Beth. It was after that episode, all of a sudden people were writing big think pieces about Beth and how they changed her character and how she's grown and she's matured and these, these feminist pieces, et cetera, et cetera. It came after that episode, you know, and you're right. They keep on killing off the pot the optimistic characters, which I think is a big no, no. I mean, they should have just killed off Sasha, not Tyrese. Um, but yeah, like I, that's what I kind of personally just want from the show, because despite the fact that it is like a zombie show, you know, part of the horror genre, for example, I mean, it's no different than watching say the flash and the flash has like their Valentine's day episode. And yeah, they still have like a villain that pops up, but you know, the flash Barry Allen does go on a date. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it's hysterical. And I mean, I'm not saying they have to have a Valentine's day episode in the walking dead, but something like to loan me a wedding episode. A wedding episode, yeah. I'm saying, they still owe me. This show is so popular, they can afford to award their viewers with just a fun, positive episode in which nobody dies, nobody gets shot. They can do it. It doesn't have to always be blood, gore, death, crying. It doesn't. Well, and and again, going back to that Beth and Daryl episode, the impetus for that whole episode is Beth is like, screw this. It's a zombie apocalypse. Uh, I've seen so many people that I care about die, and I've still never had a fucking drink. I'm going to go get drunk. Mm-hmm. It's super relatable. It's wonderfully relatable. And that would, you know, something like this episode, they, they desperately need water. There's a uh, focus to the to much of the early, at least the early part of this. They need water. They need food. It's reminiscent of season one, Battlestar Galactica, where it's just basic survival is where they're at. And that works, too. But get to the human moments. Get to Michonne wanting the cat sculpture because it's pretty and because it's awesome uh, and because she apparently appreciates that. she We relate to her. We can understand that. Get to the, those human moments um, and we will care much more about, about the characters. These characters like Tara and like Rosita that we don't still don't feel like we know. Yeah. Um, um, I have I have actually one last thing to say and it's actually the last, last thing I have to say and probably sure? the last thing I'll say for an, for like another full season and a half of The Walking Dead. No one ever has to hear my dumb voice uh, on this podcast for a while. I remember, and tell me if I have this wrong, um, Frank Darabont, when he was the showrunner, 
his yeah. original plan for the season two opener. Uh, was it not to have an episode where we found out um, how the guy got in the tank that wasn't Rick or something? Yeah, I think so. He wanted to do like sort of like an episode that drifted away from Rick and the rest of the main characters. Yeah. What I find interesting is um, they sacked Darabont for his wild ideas or whatever it is that happened. And then we had second guy. Um, I now forget who that was. Thank you, Glenn Mazzara. Um, his tenure was mostly pretty rocky, as I recall. Uh, and now we have Scott M. Gimble, who everyone seems pretty happy with. What I find amusing is that that original Darabont idea sounds way more like the show we're watching now. No, no, you're totally right. You're totally right. Because I even think of a movie like The Mist, you know, which was directed by Frank Darabont and the mood and atmosphere and the characters and the writing. Like, I kind of feel like when watching specifically this second half of season five, it feels like Frank Darabont is behind the curtain. He's like the one that's pulling the strings, but he's not. It's Scott M. Gimple. So, yeah, it is weird. And then to take it back to, to Darabont and the start of the show, when we were talking about the, and I do agree, it's it's just, it. I don't think anyone could have ex- really predicted The Walking Dead would become the phenomenon it did. But an important thing to keep in mind with that is there was no show on TV serving this audience and no show at all like The Walking Dead when it debuted. And I would argue there still isn't. It's a, it's a unicorn uh-huh. on TV right now. And uh, yeah, it's pretty remarkable that this is the, this is the show because on paper it shouldn't work at all. I just have to uh, uh, correct you on something. Um, I predicted the fact that this show would be a huge success <laughs> to the point the where no, 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 not just started the podcast. You but... predicted it would be the number one highest rated show on all of television. That yeah. is not a sporting event. Yes. The Walking Dead is not only the reason why we started a podcast. It's the reason why we started a TV section. I was looking for that big show, the new show, the new phenomenon, to, and I was waiting for it to kick off the TV section. I totally mm. called it. Totally called it. Well, then you are the the you're the one. You're the one who called it. I'm the chosen one. Yep, you're very you're very fancy, Ricky. Um, <laughs> on on that note, I think we uh, it's time to wrap up the podcast here. Uh, Simon, thank you so much for coming on to to talk with us with to talk with us this week. Where can our listeners find you and your work online? Uh, thank you, Kate, for having me on. I'd like to apologize for everything that happened. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sucker Howell. You can find me talking to you every week in a slightly less rambly, uh, more conversational manner on the Televerse. We talk about everything that isn't The Walking Dead. Um, uh, TV. Quite literally. Everything TV yeah. that isn't The Walking Dead. Um, we usually try to stick to just television. Occasionally we digress into matters of uh, sociopolitics and gender politics. But, you know, that just sort of happens <laughs> naturally. Um uh, yeah, then Sucker Hell. Yeah, that's me. That's about that's it. You. That's okay. Sometimes I write and I, I review uh, The Good Wife every week when it happens and Justified. Over at Sound on Sight. Yeah, Ricky, how about you? Um, just got to say something really quick. So I had this huge discussion with my coworkers at lunch today and was talking about The Walking Dead. And they asked, when would you stop uh, watching the show and doing the podcast. And I thought about this. I was going to say this last week on the podcast, Kate. I was like, this show is going to go on for like probably 10, 15 years. God knows they make so much money off of it. Right. So if I had to choose a time for us to stop doing the podcast, I think it's going to be when they actually kill, if they ever do kill Daryl, I think that's going to be kind of like, okay, they killed Daryl. I can call it quit quits. And if I don't quit, then I'm going to continue on till the show ends. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I want to know for my listeners, if you're interested in answering this question, go over to our website under the post for this podcast. Let us know when you think, not necessarily quitting the show, but at least when do you think or what can they do for it not to become appointment viewing in the sense. And what I mean, what I mean by that is. You don't have to run to your TV to watch it live every Sunday. You can like PVR it or watch it later or binge it when the season's over. What do they have to do or how long is it going to be, do you think, before it's no longer appointment viewing? For me, it's when they kill, kill Daryl. When they kill Daryl, maybe we'll continue doing the podcast. But I, it's, it's at the point right now where it's two weeks in a row I didn't watch the show live. I watched the NBA All-Star game instead. So Ooh. it's getting to that point where it's not really appointment viewing for me anymore. 
Intriguing. Well, let us know, listeners. I look forward to seeing what people have to say about that, because I, I would be, I would not be surprised if there were a few things like that, like Daryl or, you know, certain things that were universal, but I also would imagine that people could get highly specific with what makes them tune in live each week. So that's a really interesting question. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ricky, anything going on at Sound on Site that we should mention here? Uh, yeah, I just want to um, encourage our listeners to check out soundonsite.org because uh, you do support us by visiting the website and not just listening to our podcast via, say, iTunes. Uh, we are an independently owned and run publication. We're not financed by some huge corporation, and so we do need a support. There's always something interesting going on at soundonsite.org. Uh, we are having Nintendo Month this month, so the entire month is dedicated to Nintendo, but there's always great articles going up each and every single day in the game section, the TV section, the film section, and the comic book section, and I guess that's about it. Yep, and of course, on Twitter you are? Sound on site, but I don't really like Twitter. I mean, it's not, okay. really, for me. It's not really for me. Like I usually use Twitter to plug articles of my friends, and sometimes I plug articles from sources that are not specifically soundinsight.org. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm more into Facebook. And I, if any of my listeners want to add me on Facebook, I have no problem as long as you don't stalk me and you know, send <laughs> messages every day about The Walking Dead. <laughs> Okay, so don't leave bottles of water saying from a friend, uh, you know, digital bottles of water on on Facebook for you. Um, they can so they can they can reach you and reach out and talk about some of the, uh, Walking Dead at the website with you or at the the Soundsite Facebook page or yeah. the Televerse Facebook page. The Televerse is, is of course the weekly TV po- podcast I co-host with Simon um, that goes out every Tuesday, a Tuesday night usually, uh, the wee hours of Wednesday morning sometimes. Um, and so you can find, uh, listen to me talk with Simon about, like he said, the rest of TV there. You can also uh, find me on Twitter at the Televerse. Love talking with you guys uh, about Walking Dead and other shows. And thanks to a couple of the listeners who did reach out and send a message. Great hearing from you. Always great to hear from new listeners um, or uh, returning listeners. Uh, I, I really, you're not a Twitter person. I really like Twitter. I really like the, the you know, getting that interaction with the listenership. Um, so feel free to reach out there. And if you want to send us uh, longer thoughts, you can always email feedback at soundonsite.org. Um, next week, we'll be back to talk about out, uh, season five, episode eleven, "The Distance," written by Seth Hoffman and directed by Larissa Kondracki. Probably pronounced that incorrectly. I apologize if I did. Um, but until then, uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. He's going to be okay. He bounces back more than any of us do. I used to feel sorry for kids that have to grow up now. In this. But I think I got it wrong. Growing up's getting used to the world. This is easier for them. This isn't the world. This isn't it. Might be. That's giving up. It's reality until we see otherwise. This is what we have to live with. When I was a kid, if he ever killed any Germans in the war. He wouldn't answer. He said that was grown-up stuff, so... So I asked if the Germans ever tried to kill him. But he got real quiet. said he was dead the minute he stepped into enemy territory. Every day he woke up. I told himself, rest in peace. Now get up and go to war. And then after a few years of pretending he was dead, he made it out alive. That's the trick of it, I think. 
do what we need to do, and then we get to live. But no matter what we find in D.C., I know we'll be okay. Because this is how we survive. We tell ourselves that we are the walking dead. My lover's got humor. She's the giggle at a funeral. Knows everybody's disapproval. Should've worshipped her sooner. If the heavens ever did speak, she's the last true mouthpiece. Every Sunday's getting more bleak. Fresh poison each week. We were born sick. You heard them say it. My church offers no absolutes. She tells me worship in the bedroom. The only heaven I'll be sent to is when I'm alone. I was born sick, but I love it. Command me to be well. Amen. 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 Take me to church. I worship like a dog at the shrine of your life. I'll tell you my sins, and you can sharpen your knife. Offer me that deathless death. Some shiny, something needy for the man.